0: Everybody. Dr. Tim Jordan back here with a new episode of Raising Daughters. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician who has been working with, with girls now for over 30 years in my counseling practice, in my personal growth leadership development weekend retreats and summer camps with our school program, Strong Girls, Strong World. And I can tell you from a lot of experience that a lot of girls, especially in middle school and high school, have a hard time moving on from toxic friends. The school year is well underway and I'm getting lots of girls in my counseling practice who are struggling with friends. Uh, there's a girl who was in my, uh, one of my groups years ago who was having struggles with one of her friends. And this friend was not reciprocating to this girl. I'll, I'll call my, uh, my group girl, uh, C- uh, Cecilia. And her friend Sarah was not reciprocating. Cece felt like she was putting way more energy into the relationship than Sarah was. And when they were one-on-one, Sarah was was pretty nice and they got along pretty well. But when they were in a group, Sarah ignored Cecilia. Little critical remarks would come out of her mouth. uh, And Cecilia tried to tell her, but Sarah would just deny it and say, Oh, I'm just kidding. It's no big deal. Now, the reason Cecilia, or one of the reasons she was having a hard time moving on was, Sarah was her oldest friend. They met in pre-K, and the families had become friends. Cecilia's mom was always asking, why don't you call Sarah? Why don't you do something with Sarah? Cecilia was worried about losing her friend because her friend was very powerful in their little group, and she was afraid that she would turn the whole group against her, and then she'd have nobody, and she'd be alone. A lot of times, girls like Cecilia, their parents and their friends see the need for, for the girl to move on, but the girl will oftentimes be stubborn and say, you just don't understand. So I'm going to help you with this podcast to understand why it's so hard for girls to move on from these toxic friends. It's no uh, new uh, new piece of information that girls, especially in middle school and high school, where friends become very, very important to them. And they don't want to lose friends. And many girls will put up with all kinds of abuse because they're so afraid of losing a friend. And people will say, no big deal, just kidding and stuff, but but when they don't handle their conflicts directly, there are feelings that come up and those feelings just get pushed down. And they don't go away, they fester. When Ann and I have worked with our Strong Girls, Strong World program with classrooms of girls, we'll teach them some skills to resolve conflicts peacefully. And then we'll ask if there's a volunteer who wants to share a real life example and work it out so the whole group can learn how to do it. And inevitably, a girl will call someone into the center of the circle and she'll bring up something that happened not yesterday or a week ago, but oftentimes it's been a year or two years or four years ago that she never handled, and it's still inside of her, those feelings. And when girls push the feelings down and they fester, it oftentimes leaks out as drama. They'll ignore the other person, they'll roll their eyes at the other person, they'll spread a rumor about the other person. That's what a lot of that girl drama is about, is unresolved issues. And girls, because they don't take care of these issues with their toxic friends, they feel resentful and sad and They'll feel used, unimportant, frustrated. A lot of times they feel tired and drained from all the stress around it. And sometimes they'll also feel shame and they'll be mad themselves because they know at some level that they should be moving on. So let's talk about some of the main reasons that I have seen working with girls all these years about why they have a hard time letting go of toxic friends. The First thing I want to talk about is the female brain. Since they were in utero, females have, a larger, have larger brain areas for hearing, language, observing, observing emotions in other people, so their brain is dictating that, that the primary values for them are communication, connection, emotional sensitivity, and responsiveness. Evolutionary psychologists who have studied things like this they felt like the, the female brain has been wired that way because they need to—they need to be greater attentive to the cries of their babies, and also the intentions of their larger males. Women, since 150,000 years ago, when we became humans, t- were the ones who tend to do more of the uh, caretaking of their of their babies and their infants and their children. They need to be tuned into their babies' uh, their babies' body language and their emotions because they couldn't talk. Also, being tuned into the voices and by language and the emotions of people around them gave them heads up to potential dangerous and aggressive behaviors, oftentimes from their caveman men. It was a protective thing. Also, when girls are, and women are in, in groups and they're connected with other people, those close, mo- those close bonds meant survival. If you get kicked out of the group there's a really good chance you were gonna die. You couldn't survive because it was prehistoric, dangerous, uncivilized times. That wiring is still present today. So the female brain, in essence, has been wired to have an aversion to conflict, to fear the loss of relationships. They've been programmed and they've been wired to maintain bonds and maintain social harmony for the purpose of protection and survival. Evolutionary psychologists also felt that predators, oftentimes uh, predators like you know lions and and uh, wildlife, they were intimidated by a large group. So being part of that group also protected those women from predators. And that's still an evolutionary remnant of survival, even though the times are different. It's interesting that years ago, back in the 30s, it began. People started researching how people responded to fear and stress. Walter Cannon, at Harvard in 1930s, had research, and he first described the fight or flight reaction. That when people were uh, uh, fearful, when their amygdalas were triggered and there was a possible threat, they either responded by fighting off the threat or running away from it. And that was the sort of cannon that we went by, no pun intended, for many years until someone, a a woman in particular, uh, felt like that was not always true for women. And when they went back and looked at those original studies on uh, that fight-or-flight reaction, they found that all of the the, uh, subjects of the research were men. No women. And what studies have shown since that time is that that women don't always respond to stress and, and fear with aggression or the desire to escape from the situation. That women tend instead to go into what they call tend and befriend. Tend and befriend. Women more often uh, seek solutions to problems and their stress through communication, through collaborating, and through connecting with other people, with other women, more so than the fight or flight stuff. There's a wonderful story that I read in a book called The Athena Doctrine. Um, so, great book, by the way. I would strongly encourage you to read it. It's about the different styles of leadership, uh, feminine qualities of leadership, masculine qualities of leadership, and what people around the world, um, what they've experienced as far as which one of those styles are more prevalent in their societies. Anyway, there's a, there's a, a story about a woman named Rachel Weisel. She's an Israeli, and she was in, in the army. And at, they, was having, they were having a lot of problems at, at the checkpoints, you know, places where traffic was flowing in and out of Palestine, lots of skirmishes, arguments, fighting, etc. So they put Rachel Weissel in charge of that um, problem. She was put in charge of the checkpoints. And what she did was she, she put women there, women soldiers at those checkpoints instead of men. Because what she knew would happen, and what did happen, was those women guards approached tense situations with more respect, kindness, and empathy. They were much better at at negotiating conflicts, to avert those conflicts. And when they had the women there, after a very short period of time, the amount of conflicts at the border went way down. Because women approached it differently. They didn't go into fight or flight when someone was angry at the border, they wanted to tend and befriend. It's a great concept to remember. And it's one of the reasons why your daughters don't want to lose their friend, and they'll put up with abuse. Because they're more likely to go into tend and befriend as opposed to fight or flight. Girls don't want to lose friends, even if they're being mistreated. They'd rather work hard at repairing the relationship. And one of the reasons that's true is that tend and befriend thing and their fear of being left out. They're worried, like Cecilia was in my story, they're worried that if they they confront the person, if they tell them how they're feeling and what they want, if they set a boundary, they're so afraid the other person will be mad and they will leave them as friends. They don't want to be their friend anymore. And they will not only leave them, but they'll bring the group with them. And then not only are you left out from that girl, you're alone and being left out and alone means death <laughs> which is why a lot of girls have described to me over the years that when they lose a friend it feels like a death that's that old prehistoric primitive wiring in our brain which is still which is still working today if you're wondering well you know why is that true is this about genetics is this about nature about nurture and the answer to that is both, both nature and nurture, the brain structure and social conditioning, biology and science have contributed to the ways in which men and women are different from each other. But the truth is, in general, it is different. And that tend to befriend thing is probably, in my mind, the, the biggest reason why girls don't let go of uh, mis, uh, misbeha- uh, mis- disrespectful friends, toxic friends. Another reason is good girl conditioning that is still alive and not well uh, in our present times. Girls are still being conditioned to be quote unquote good girls, girls who don't speak up, who don't make waves. They've been taught that if you speak up and confront people, that's being mean, that's being aggressive. And it's not, but that's what they believe. They've absorbed that from the culture. They've absorbed, good girls are passive, they're li- nice to everybody, even people who are mistreating you. Put other people's needs before your own. And that conditioning is the other reason why sometimes, or one of the reasons why girls don't move on from toxic friends. The good girl conditioning raises its ugly head, and then they have a hard time taking care of themselves and setting boundaries. A lot of times in my retreats, and my school programs, I will, my wife and I will have girls practice setting boundaries. We'll give them scenarios and then they do role plays and and girls who are being assertive in the role plays the girls used to often think they're being aggressive. Setting a kind but firm boundary seems not only aggressive but mean. And we have to educate them that's not mean. It's a good thing. But they've been conditioned to believe the opposite. And so sometimes they put up with stuff when they really don't need to or want to. Another reason why I see that girls don't move on from toxic friends is sometimes those friends have problems and girls feel responsible for their friend's mental health. They may have a friend who is uh, suicidal or a friend who's depressed or really anxious. Look at calls, you know, at midnight or later with uh, talking about, I'm so upset. Life isn't worth living. I'm going to commit suicide. And these girls feel like they need to be there for them to calm them down and to to bring them down. And they're worried that if I move on from this friend, what's gonna happen if I'm not there for them? I had a girl recently who, who was expressing this very thing. And I said something about, have you ever thought about talking to the, that friend's parents? And she said, well, her parents are just out of it. One of them has some addiction problems. The other one's really depressed. And I've tried to tell them, but they ignore it. They don't do anything. So therefore, in their minds, I'm responsible. I'm the one who's got to keep my friend alive, even if it's draining me and even if they're not a good friend. I encourage those girls to find some adult to turn that friend over to like, for instance, a school counselor. A 13 year old girl, a 16 year old girl is not a certified counselor. They're not a therapist. I, I really think it's awesome that they're trying to be a good friend. says a lot about them, and they're not a counselor when it comes to serious things like that. It's hard for girls to let go of that. They're so afraid something's going to happen to their friend because they've been feeling responsible for them for so long. It's helpful sometimes to set a boundary with those people, with those kinds of friends, but most of the time they don't respect them. So that means turn it over to somebody else and then learn to let it go. Sometimes your daughter, if they're in that situation, they might need to go to a counselor like me to help them work through that. It's also interesting that when girls finally break up with that friend, they let them go. Most of them, in my experience, feel a tremendous sense of relief. Because being responsible for their friend's mental health is, is, is draining, it's tiring. So they feel sad, but certain after letting go of a friend, usually. There's a relief also from, I'm no longer being mistreated. Now, they may feel sad about uh, wanting to be part of a group. Sometimes girls pound away at the popular groups. They wanna be included so bad, sometimes the popular kids will include them a little bit, but then they mistreat them. They make fun of them, they don't include them, they leave them out. And sometimes girls keep pounding on that door because a lot of girls want to be part of that group because that's the group that everybody knows. That's the group that is seen. That's the group that everybody knows about. They're the popular ones. Even if they're being mistreated, sometimes they still have a hard time letting go of wanting to be a part of that group. All of us want to be part of a group and have a sense of belonging. That wiring is in all of us. It's really intense in girls in middle school and high school. And if they walk away from that friendship They do have those risks of losing losing that friend and losing other friends and the whole group. There's also for a little while a chemical withdrawal. If you've been close to somebody, then you get lots of good chemicals that go through your body like oxytocin, which makes us want to be close to people. It makes us feel calm and connected. So people get like a withdrawal, a chemical withdrawal uh, when they move away from a friend like that or, or a dating partner. And it's also true, they're not making it up that sometimes they end up losing the whole group because if if the girl who's been mean to them and disrespectful to them is the queen bee of the group, then they will spread rumors and gossip about them. They'll talk about them behind their backs. And a lot of times those girls do lose the group and then they they don't have a group for a while. One of the things I've been doing for a long time, probably 25 years now, is I run a group for high school girls after school every two weeks uh, for an hour and a half. I take 10 girls, and they're part of the group for at least a semester. A lot of times they stay for the whole year, or sometimes some of them are there for two or three years. And they love the group because they can come there for an hour and a half every two weeks and just let their hair down and be real and talk and vent and hear other people's stories. And they get a lot of support, and they support each other, and it's awesome. They have a hard time feeling safe to do that with, with people at school for fear of what will happen if they do. If people actually keep their confidence, which oftentimes they don't, which is really common in middle school, right? So they need, they need safe groups to be able to do that with. Um, so look for a group uh, wherever you live. Look for a group where they can get some support like that. Cecilia, in my story above, when I started this, needed that kind of support. And she would talk about this toxic friend to the group, and at first the group was saying, "Well, dump her, move on. She's she's a jerk." Blah blah blah. I even sometimes said things of that sort until I saw that she was getting really defensive and feeling hurt because she felt like the group wasn't hearing her, understanding how hard it was for her. So I remember, I remember last semester telling the group, "Let's you know, time out." I think we're. I think we're not listening to her. We need to really appreciate how hard this is for her. She's been friends with this girl since pre-K. She's worried about not having friends, and so the group switched it. They started listening more to her, and also they started supporting her more by doing things with her outside of group. They have they, the girls have a uh, have a uh, a group chat, so they were talking to her, and they said if you ever feel like you want to set a boundary with her, or if you feel like walking away and you get scared, call me. Call us. We will pump you up. We will support you. We'll encourage you. We will go to that girl's house with you. <laughs> They're awesome. and I mean, I think a lot of girls need that kind of back backing, that kind of support to help them get the courage up to walk away from a toxic friend. One of the mistakes I made, I have made plenty, when my kids were growing up, was when my daughter was in, I think it was about, I think it might have been seventh grade. And she had had a very close friend who lived just like a block from us ever since she was in like first grade. And that girl would come to our house, they'd be downstairs dancing to I've Got a Sign and those kinds of songs. They were really sweet together. That girl was on my basketball team uh, that I coached. In, uh, starting in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and then another girl moved in close to, to to that other girl, and those two started hanging out more. And then they started leaving my daughter out. And at school, even they were being kind of exclusive with her. And my daughter would would come home, and she didn't say a lot because that wasn't her style. But sometimes she'd be upset, and and we you know we talked to her about about how to handle it and stuff. But I th- I remember too often sometimes we I hadn't seen that girl around for a while and my daughter would be alone. I'd say, Why don't you call so and so? You haven't been with her in a while. I think I was pushing her to you know, to accept her friend back and to spend time with her when my daughter was trying to say to me, and I wasn't hearing it, She's toxic. She's leaving me out. I feel I don't feel good when I'm around her. She excludes me. I didn't know enough about it. This is like what 25 years ago or so, 25-30 years ago, I've had to learn over time. Running these weekend retreats and camps has been a blessing because I've learned so much about girls. I wish I had known now what I knew. I wish I I, knew, I wish I knew then what I know now. I would have done a lot better job of not trying to push her to dump that friend or to spend time with that friend, and instead to listen to her, listen to her feelings, letting her tell us her story allowing her to decide what she wanted to do and supporting her. Sometimes it helps to role-play with our, da- our daughters about how to set boundaries. You be that, uh, the other girl and then let them show you how they set boundaries. And a lot of times you'll notice they're not being assertive enough. They're kind of wimpy. You can teach her how to have a, a firm voice and look the person in the eye and be very clear about what they want. But I think trying to push our daughters to dump toxic friends oftentimes backfires because our daughters feel ashamed because they know they should. They don't have the courage yet, and, and pushing them oftentimes makes them feel more discouraged, not encouraged. It's better to commiserate and say, I got it. It's hard. It's hard to move on from an old friend. I get it. I get that you're worried about losing the group. That could happen, you're right. I see how hard it is for you. It's a much better plan than pushing them to dump the friend. I saw a girl recently who, who kind of got. Uh, she left. She lost her best friend at the end of the school year, and so for a while now she's been floating from group to group, and she's accepted at the lunch table in these in these other two or three groups, but she's not like in the in the inner circle, if you will. She says, "I it, they'll, they'll they'll include me at the table, but they don't always include me in the conversations because I don't know what's going on. I don't usually get invited to things on the weekends with them." So they have all these inside jokes and these funny things they're talking about. And so I feel like, like a third wheel. And she said, I feel like I'm no one's priority. I'm nobody's number one friend. So your daughter may have to go through that, that place for a while where she's a little alone or lonely. She may have to float around until she finds people who, who she resonates with and who can be better friends. That's why it's in, during those times it'd be nice for her to have a support group, make sure that she's involved in things, make sure that she is open to trying new things, trying a new club, trying a new sport so she can start to meet new people. I had two girls last semester who were in that space where they were floating around and th- at different schools, they both joined a, a theater club and they were in a play. One of them was an actress and the other one was doing sets. And they became part of that team. It's not a sports team, but but it's an awesome team. And they they were having to work together to put on this play, to be in the play. And she and both of those girls found some connections. And they weren't alone anymore. Anytime you can encourage your daughter to do to find things that she loves to do, what are her interests? What are things that she uh, has some passion about? Because if she pours herself into her drawing or into her theater or into poetry or into being in a band or into whatever it may be, she'll get a lot of self-confidence and fulfillment from that. And that helps them to have more confidence to take care of themselves with their friends. There's no easy answer. Because a lot of times what girls need most is not for them to change. They need the context to change. It's one of my criticisms of schools these days is that a lot of times they don't have the time, quote unquote, to invest in social emotional learning. Girls need to have sit downs with their classes and talk about their intentions for what they want their group to act like and behave like and how to treat each other. They need to set the intentions. They need to be the ones who support each other and back each other up. When that's not done, a lot of drama happens behind the scenes not obviously in front of teachers and all. And so you can you can talk all you want to your daughter. You can give her lots of skills. But sometimes you're going right back into that toxic environment. It's really, really hard. Because the environment's not changing. If there's a problem with the flower in your garden, a lot of times you don't need to treat the flower. You need to treat the garden. You need to add fertilizer. You need to get more sun. You need to do something to make the context more safe and and more comforting and nurturing and supportive. So I'm encouraging everyone, everybody listening to this podcast, go up to school and and please support your school in having social emotional learning things, like my, my wife Nye's program. Doesn't have to be our program. Some of you live in Australia and in different places around the world, but find a program that the school help the school empower the school is What I'm saying. Let them know it's okay to take an hour every few weeks to do this kind of learning. Because if you don't, there's all of this hurt feelings and drama going around, and it's really hard for girls to focus in class. It affects their learning. It affects everything. Be proactive. If you do that, then it's a lot easier for girls like Cecilia and the others I've been talking about. It's a lot easier for them to then do what, what we're, we're encouraging them to do because they'll get back up from the school and back up from their friends. I hope this helps. I know it's, it's sometimes parents have told me they don't know what to do when their daughter, daughters come home with these stories about these disrespectful, toxic friends, if you will, or mean girl behavior. And all parents know to do sometimes is to say, well, move on. When actually the girls, because of all the reasons I've said, because of the female brain, because of the tend be, tendon befriend, because of good girl conditioning, because of all those sorts of reasons, it's hard for them to just move on. They can get to that point, but first we need to join them where they're at, listen to them, encourage them, support them, get, let them know you understand, you're behind them, be empathetic. And then once they feel heard and understood, they might be more willing to hear your feedback and your wisdom. Perhaps listen to this podcast with your daughter and then and then create some conversations about their friends at school and what kind of support they might need from you. I'll be back here with a brand new podcast in a week. I always say this, but I really mean it. I'm so grateful that you come by here every week and listen to these. I love it when you pass them on to friends. And if you have feedback for me, just send it to my website, www.drtimjordan.com. But for information, I, I did a whole online parenting series about a year or so ago about girls' friendships and girls' emotions. So I have a lot of a lot of suggestions in there about how to how to understand and support and deal with your daughter's friendship issues. That might be helpful to you. Um, so I'll be back here in a week. Thank you so much for stopping by.